0: Live from the Auction Community Studios on this home opener Thursday, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what is up? (laughs) Here we go, Luke. How you doing today, bro? Doing good. I have... uh couple different sheets i was looking at so was making sure i know okay. what we're starting the show with because we're gonna have some d-backs <laughs> guests throughout the show
1: obviously with the game tonight against the dodgers merrill kelly on the mound very cool right now the arizona diamondbacks at three and three right now that's right ladies and gentlemen not two and four not one and five. Oh no they are three and three And I realize it's six games. Ron Wolfley reporting, but man, it beats the alternative. Currently just one game out of
0: first. Here we go. If you win tonight, you're tied for first no matter what happens in any other game. You know, that's a
1: beautiful thing right there. Once again, these these first ten games, I don't know why you got me started on this. You got me started with this. the amount of of goodness that could possibly come from finishing five and five, Dude, they're they're, th- they're three and three, and Alex Thomas doesn't have a hit yet. You got me. I know you got me all fired up here with that, but three and three right now for the Diamondbacks, the home opener. Here we go.
0: Be honest, you are mostly
1: just fired up because they're ahead of the Rockies, and that's all you care about. Yeah, you know what it is. Uh, the two and four Rockies once again. Hang in there, Colorado. You'll be fine. <laughs> all right, we're actually going to
0: start the show uh, with basketball and. And the Suns, and the ever-changing first-round matchup they may have, which I believe at the moment is now actually the Clippers. Uh, but they are tied with the Warriors. Each team has two games left. Remember, both the Warriors games are on the road. So if you believe that they can just flip the switch and start winning when they need to on the road, maybe that doesn't matter. But they are 9-30 and on the road. So I would say it's not, <laughs> <laughs> not a gimme that they're going to win their next it's two just, games.
1: But it, come on, that does not apply to the Golden State Warriors. Is correct? I don't think it applies in the playoffs,
0: but I don't know how it applies in Sacramento it's, tomorrow or Portland Sunday. I,
1: you know, once again, I think of the Warriors right there, the 9-30. and 30. You brought this up, this stat, this incredible stat the other day, and it just he, 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 it reminded you of just how bizarre that is with the Golden State Warriors, especially with a team that is so veteran-laden for the most part. You just don't expect those kind of numbers. 9-30. and 30 on the road here are the teams. Do you think they think about it no way they don't there's I, I, no way clay, there's no way clay thompson steph curry draymond green because no, i think if, sitting around going oh man we're nine and 30 if on they the road. put
0: any thought into it i think they'd be a lot closer to like 20 and 20 on the road you know what i mean like i think if they if they took a second and cared which is why i don't think it's it's going to hinder them in the man. playoffs but these next two regular season games it might because they don't seem – there's no way you're going to tell me they have the same intensity Friday in Sacramento that they're going to have in the first round wherever they are. And no, also, you're right. By yeah. the way, if they lose to Sacramento on Friday, they're probably playing Sacramento in the first round, and the Suns probably would be playing the Clippers. Here's the teams with with a worse road record this season in the entire NBA than the Warriors. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there again. The Pistons, the Spurs – the Rockets. That's Come on. it. And nobody else is no even way. like close. No way. Nobody else is is closer than four or five games. It's not like, well, you know. But there's a bunch of ten and twenty. No, there's not any. 10 and 29
1: teams. Just go ahead and do that. If you're driving around the basin right now, go ahead and bring it up. Yeah, you know what? Not where you're driving, of course. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. But uh, when you get the opportunity, go ahead and bring it up. Check yourself and look at the NBA standings. And the fact that Luke just said a very correct sentence in regard to some of the teams that are worse than the Golden the State three Warriors. The worst
0: teams the in the NBA. The three worst
1: teams in the NBA. It is stunning to see that. Yeah, I don't think there's no way in the world the Golden State Warriors are going to give that one thought once they get into a playoff series. And yet, I think maybe there might be some of their opponents that do.
0: Well, yeah, and that's uh, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because their last two regular season games are on the road. So, if you're trying to figure out who the Suns are going to play in the first round, some stuff did play out last night. You had you had uh, Sacramento losing to Dallas, which doesn't impact the Suns. It just makes me sad because now Dallas is back in the mix for a in spot. Uh, but you did have the Clippers. Beating the Lakers and the Lakers did play LeBron and they played Anthony Davis, but the Clippers, by virtue of winning that game, have uh, <laughs> have not only moved back into a tie with Golden State for the fifth seed, but they uh, they end up pushing the Lakers back down into the play in as well. So, and
1: LeBron said after the game, right there, the back to back got him. <laughs> you see that? Yeah, yeah. the back to back got him. <laughs> <laughs> the first ever back to back in NBA history. <laughs>
0: I'm coming off the road trip and even is a good road game, you know just. And you know, coming off the road trip and
2: um you know, getting back, you know, late last night but after an overtime game and uh it was a tough game for us. Obviously we started off in the first half, not so playing Laker basketball. We had some good spurts but uh not enough. So this is one of those uh uh
0: those scheduling conflicts, you know, in the season and uh, definitely got the best of us tonight. <laughs> I don't even know what you to know, say honestly, man that's LeBron honestly, I know He's one of the best players in NBA yes. history why is that even in your head that that <sighs> that if that doesn't speak to the mentality that has sunk into the NBA over the last few years. Uh, to me,
1: that's not a LeBron yeah. thing.
0: That is that is the no, mentality. Right. Well,
1: you can't play in a back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, you're putting everything at risk. I just don't know why a competitor would say that out loud. Because because that's what he <laughs> hears all the time. I, I, feel, I know, but still, has it changed that much when you go out there, especially if you're LeBron James? Has it changed that much where, hey, listen... We're going to go out there and we're going to get everything we got. And this is what we do. By the way, we walk through a lot of stuff. As professional athletes, that's what you have to do. There's a paid human being who's very talented and very skilled, who's making a lot of money as well, that is trying to keep you from doing every little thing you're going to do on the court, on the diamond, on the field, on the ice. He's trying to keep you from doing it. Competition is hard. We all know that. Don't make it harder because you're suddenly playing in a back-to-back. In
0: fairness to LeBron, he did have 33-8-7, and seven, so he may have been
1: kind of giving his teammates an excuse because he played well. It's all the more reason. To not say it. Well, <laughs> It's just, LeBron, the if you part, can do man. it, so can your teammates. The other part that's even more
0: ridiculous, yeah, I know it was a road game. They had to travel all the way to the other side of Crypto.com <laughs> Arena and use the other locker room. It's like
1: That's not really a, a road game when you're playing the Clippers and you are the Lakers. It just, it bothers me, it does. Uh, LeBron James is a great, he's, he's a great competitor. He is. Yet, why would you cite that, ever? I'm sorry. I think that's excuse for teammates
0: or it's just, it's the mindset that's sunk into the NBA at some point in the last five years. But whatever meeting they had where they were like, hey, now here's the rules. Nobody plays back-to-backs because that's just too tough. And you're going to have to sit out 17 games because who who could ever expect you to play all 82? Whenever they had that meeting, Mikel Bridges missed that meeting right? because it's the only thing he's missed (laughs) in the last five years because he's played in every single game.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. It drives me crazy in the National Football League as well. You play on a Sunday and sudden, you got the Thursday night game and guys are already they're pointing to the Thursday night game. They're they're already talking about that. You know, it it is hard. It is harder. There's no denying that. But you're a football player. This is what you do. Walk through that, bro. Walk through it, man. I know. It's hard. You're playing a game in four days after you already played on I We all understand that. Go out there and ball out. Bloody up the knuckles. See, that's the kind of mentality a guy like Will Anderson has. (laughs) And that's why. I know we're not talking Will Anderson here, but I can tell you that's the reason why I'm in the danger zone on Will Anderson. Because something tells me he didn't care about that. And it is way too early for me to be going off to this degree on the show. I just watched the Coyotes
0: play three back-to-backs in a week and a half. Like, I don't understand what happened in the NBA over the last five years where it was like,
1: don't ever even think of playing a back to Played five games in seven nights. Yes. The Coyotes. Yeah. The hockey. NHL, ladies and gentlemen. This is why... This is why people love Mikkel Bridges. One of the many reasons. Yes.
0: But this is why. Because he, he does it, he's immune to this. Walk because through it. Because he doesn't even let it get into his uh, the way he mentally prepares. All right, when we come back, it's baseball time. What is Derek Hall looking forward to seeing from the D-backs in their home opener tonight against the Dodgers? We're going to ask the D-backs president and CEO next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on D-backs return to the Valley hosting the Dodgers for their
3: first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs
0: home opener coverage with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, we got the home opener tonight. Exciting chase field, 7'10 first pitch. Merrill Kelly on the mound for the D backs against Dustin May of the Dodgers. Hey, good to see the Dodgers again, Wolf. Uh, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is the Arizona Diamondbacks president and CEO. Always love talking to this guy. Derek Hall joins us. Derek, what's going on? Hey, yeah, Luke, just what we want to see more Dodgers. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Wolf.
3: Good to What's talk to you, there? brother. Yes,
1: listen, um, I don't know if you've listened at all to the show, but I can tell you right now, I, I love this team. I do. I love this team. Are you in the danger zone with this team I, as well?
3: I, 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 of course I listen, and I know you do. And I just feel like <laughs> this is the team we've been promising fans for the last couple of years like they're coming. We're watching them at the minor league level, and I'm sure fans kind of roll their eyes or just not sure. Yeah, I'll see it. You know, when I believe, I'll believe it when I see it. And at the end of last year, we were able to bring up a lot of these young guys they showed that excitement the athleticism uh, the fact that they have so much confidence and, and they at the end of this road trip or of this you know, road trip they started showing that again mm-hmm. small ball creating runs you know a little havoc on the bases so I, I felt like uh, we, we were more of who our style and character was last year at the end of this road trip and I, I hope that's who we continue to be
0: well since you brought it up how, how much do you think having some of these guys play like Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy the second half of last Last year, Because you're right, you know, fans will get on board with the rebuild, but if they haven't seen the guys, it's hard to go into the season with as much excitement as, as there undeniably is this year. So how much do you think those guys playing at the end of last year helped?
3: Oh, it helped a lot. It definitely did. Um, you know, these, these guys have always been, you know, major prospects. And for years we're saying, wait till you see these outfielders come up like Corbin Carroll, like Alec Thomas, you know, like Jake McCarthy. Um, Dalton Varshow, you know, was, was doing the same. And I think because he had the experience a year before he was a, a full-time player. So that always helps. And we've got a pipeline of, of talent still coming up. I mean, the pitchers that we have in Fought and in, in Walston and, uh, you, you know, you look at Jordan Lawler's coming at at some point, Drew Jones. There is a lot of excitement, but now you see the fans really knowing who these these prospects are, so they get excited. When we played the Guardians for our final two exhibition games, and they were here at Chase Field, you know, a week and a half ago, uh, Drew Jones made his debut in in the outfield, so he's in center field in like the seventh inning, and there was a little bit of a buzz. I mean, Luke, he comes out to the on deck circle, and teenagers were running up to the screen and and taking his picture because this guy's got like nearly two hundred thousand, you know, social media followers, and it's just a different day and age, but there is genuine excitement for players that are still on the way up.
1: What are your expectations for this year? Do you allow yourself to actually think about how good this team could be? Well,
3: it could be, but I, you know, I think the competition will will balance that out. Obviously, I mean, I, I did not expect a, a three and three record, for example, on the first road trip, with it being as tough as it was, with four in L. A. and then two in San Diego. And well, if you know me, I I, I don't like to build expectations too high or, or or get the projections ahead of where we we should be or could be. But I do think there's potential for us to to be hopefully, you know, vying for one of those those playoff spots. Um, yeah, I think we're we're that good. We're good enough. But again. when you talk about competition throughout the league, I could also see it not happening and yet another year of development because you've got, obviously, the Dodgers and the Padres in this division. The the Giants have obviously improved. You go to the Central and you've got uh, the Cubs have improved, but you always have the Cardinals and the Brewers. They're both playing, you know, the Brewers especially are playing great. And on the East with the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies, it's tough. So, you know, it's not an easy task to get one of those playoff spots. But I do think the 20 win improvement we had last year with the problems in the bullpen tell you that we should be a much better team this year, especially since we addressed those holes in the pen with the relievers.
0: We're talking to Derek Hall. Uh, Derek, we had Mike Hazen on yesterday, and one of the things he said he looks for, just in his experience with a, with a good team, is that they can bounce back after a loss, like that first one on Monday to San Diego, and come back and win the very next game. I know it's early. I know it's one game out of 162, and there's only been six of them. But what did that win on Tuesday show you?
3: Oh, man, it showed me a lot, Luke. Great question. And and I was there, and, you know, our seats are right next to the dugout. You're basically in the dugout, so you can hear every conversation. You can see every reaction. And what I saw was a team that was, I mean, they they were focused, and, you know, they were on a mission. And these guys are, uh, they are in. They are locked in like I've never seen. And just watching the energy in the dugout, and, and they, I mean, they couldn't sit still. They wanted to get out there and, and like we said before, wreak havoc. So I, I do think that was a big bounce back. Um, we, we arguably should have swept the Padres, right? Because you're up in the eighth after that home run by Longoria. Um, so giving up that those back-to-back homers and blowing that save, you easily could have had some wheels fall off for, for a short period of time. But that showed me, erase it, turn the page, move forward. That's confidence. That's development. Uh, I was very pleased with what I saw, and especially being behind in that game. You're down five to one, and they just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and may have gotten in the head of the opponent. And guys, I was at the owners' meetings the week of the Super Bowl and, and of the Open, uh, just where you want to be out of town during that week, but we were in Palm Beach, and, and I had more of my counterparts come up to me. I probably had half the teams come up to me and say, we hated playing you guys at the end of last year. You guys scare us. That's a fun thing to hear. So, you know, you could just go without the target on your back and just play and hopefully play above expectations, but we're getting to the point where we are going to be that pesky team for for years to come. I truly believe it, because we do have so much talent coming here now. Now and coming here in the future.
1: Do you have any more clarity on the timetable for Chase Field and when you'll know what your future might be there?
3: Yeah, great, great question, Wolf. I, uh, I, I'm hoping within the, ne- the next couple of months, you know, our, our lease is done in 27 and we owe it to, to ourselves. We owe it to our partners here downtown to know what we're going to do. Um, we still do have a few interested parties around Maricopa County who are talking about, uh, you know, a new build and what that would look like. Yet we have accelerated talks here with the city and with the county, um, you know, even some with the state to see how we could partner with them and, and see what more of a mixed use, um, you know, development could be like around Chase Field. But there's a lot of sentimental value here. Uh, our fans have said time and time again to me that they love Chase Field. They hope it can work out here. We're invested in downtown. So I, I hope to have an answer within the next couple of months. And if we do stay here, you know, we're, we're pledging to put hundreds of millions of dollars into this ballpark because it is 25 years old and make sure that it's up with the standards of a newer build today.
0: Talking to Derek Hall, uh, Derek, going to, uh, to to Corbin Carroll and the contract that you guys gave him this offseason. And I know there's some risk involved in that, certainly. But we talked about it on the show. I I think it sends a message to the fans that everything this guy does now belongs to Arizona. You're not developing him for another team in three years or whatever. But does it also send a message maybe to his teammates of like, hey, okay, you know, these guys are willing to invest in us long term?
3: That that is the perfect question and perfect answer to it. Yeah, you you asked and answered, Luke, because that that was one of the reasons you <laughs> invest.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know, well, but that that is one of those examples where you know we are sending a message to the clubhouse too to say, hey guys, we're willing to invest in you. We're willing to build around those that need to be built around. Uh, and there was general, you know, genuine excitement in the clubhouse as well when that was announced. And this kid is so talented. You know, we always talk about five tool players. He definitely one of those players, and to have the potential of three of his free agency, not only the six years of arbitration, but potentially three of his free agency years covered as well, um, that's a good move for us. And there's other players that we're already identifying, saying, okay, now we need to lock them up, too. It's a, it's a smart move. A lot of teams are doing it, uh, especially teams with a, a size market like ours, in order to compete, that you've, you've got to hold on to or retain that talent as long as you can.
1: What kind of players? What players do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you got the names I, I ready bet, to go D?
3: Well, I bet you I bet you could guess right and, but but the guys that we've added to this roster right. you know through trade recently guys that are still coming here that are going to impact this roster yeah we're identifying guys around the the infield and outfield and even on the on the bump who were saying we need to to add them to the Corbin Carroll list and and let's lock down a, a, a roster that we've clearly built um, the same way we did this year with the approach with Corbin
1: so it's only six games of course but the best trend what is the best trend that you See with this team right now through six games. Granted,
3: yeah, yeah. I think two things, Wolf. I think number one, we didn't even play our best baseball in LA or in San Diego. You know, we didn't have the, for example, the starting pitching that we know we're going to have, and and that's still coming for us to find a way to, to scratch and claw our way to to five hundred on that road trip. That's a trend. Uh, in addition to that, like we mentioned before, we saw them reverting back to who we were last year. You know, drag bunts, putting the ball in play, stolen bases, running from first to. Third third or first to home. That's that's who this team has got to be to get in the head of the opposition and for us to do it on the road that's a really good sign, especially in those two places that are really difficult to play in and they were jam-packed houses. You know, you're going to opening day at Dodger Stadium and you've got four full decks of fans um, loud as can be and then you go to San Diego where the expectations are so high so every seat was taken there too and the guys just let the breathing slow down and did what they know they can do and and that's a trend as well, let's hope.
0: Derek, we appreciate the time as always. Good luck tonight and also season, all right? I appreciate thank it you, as David. well. Anytime
3: you guys need me. Love talking to you. And, Wolf, we used to do this once a week. I miss you, brother. But uh, we continue to stay in touch, as always. Anything you guys need. We love okay. you. Right, thank you, brother. Thank right. you, Derek.
0: Thanks, Rick. Luke. Okay. Yeah. Take care. That's, uh, that's Derek Hall, d president and CEO, joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Wolf, you can tell he's excited, too. He's fired <laughs> up, man. And rightfully so. <laughs> I mean, he's always optimistic, but he sounds, yeah. Yeah, he sounds like us right now with this team. Uh, I mean, how can you not? The last thing he said is, is legit. They haven't played anywhere near their best baseball They split with the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. We come back. All the talk of trades in the draft. How would you feel if the Cardinals just stayed at number three and took Will Anderson? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf
3: and Luke,
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, thanks to Derek Hall for joining us last segment. Wolf, well, I have a um, hunch that has been confirmed that there will be plenty more D-backs guests throughout the show today as the uh, lead up to their home opener tonight. But it's, it feels like feels like we've already learned a lot about this team, and they've played a bunch of games, and this is still their home opener.
1: Yeah. It feels so good. I'm sorry, man, right now when I think about it. I know they're only 3-3, three and three and I've got to get over it. I do. But when you've got a bunch of young guys that are trying to make their way, it does. It reminds me. I was talking about this yesterday. It reminds me, Basinonians, of when I was young and trying to make it in the National Football League and the thoughts and the the uncertainty of it all. You never knew and yet you you walked through it. You know, you did what you could and just trying to make your way. And this is what I see with the Diamondbacks right now. Guys that are gaining and growing in confidence. And that's always exciting to me. You're fired up today. I feel yeah, like I this
0: is going to be Pantera callouts like mid-segment for like an hour the I, way you're I going know, today. I don't know. i got to calm down well, over here. This segment's not going to help you calm down because we're going to talk a little Cardinals draft and we're going to talk some Will Anderson. I'm going to start with this. This was Matt Miller, ESPN draft uh, analyst who joined us yesterday. And, and he said, look, let's not get... <laughs> we am willing to make this complicated. There's one player that's above everybody else in this draft.
2: To me, he's the best player, no matter what. Like, regardless of position, the best player in the draft. And I, I actually like Bryce on the CJ Stroud a lot, but I think Will Anderson is the guy in this class. It's funny because um, you know, even like at ESPN, we haven't talked a lot about Will Anderson the last month and a half because we've been so enamored with the quarterback situation of how's this all going to shake out. And we I think we've kind of forgotten that Will Anderson was the best player in college football the last two years. He probably should have won the Heisman. 2021 he was that good um so i i think will is going to be fantastic
1: i think he's going to be fantastic as well and one of the reasons why is because the game of football i think more than any other game brings out the threefold nature of man body soul and spirit i've talked about this over the years but it's the truth it's how i feel you've got to engage all three natures of man the threefold nature body soul and spirit to go out and play the game of football and do it well you gotta think your way through it of course you've gotta think your way through what it is you're gonna do but you know what you gotta feel How you're going to do that, and that's where the soul tells you how to do it. It tells your body, you know what, this is what you need to go do right now, and your body goes and does it. The threefold nature of man is so evident with the game of football, and when I think of that, I think of Will Anderson and how evident and prevalent it is with him. He plays the game that way. He thinks his way through it. He feels his way through it. And the body reacts to it. And he's capable of doing a ton on the field.
0: I don't remember how you asked this question. It wasn't. It, it's, it, the cut is labeled Matt Miller talking about the physical guys in the draft this was a question I know you asked yesterday yeah. I know you did not ask hey who are the most physical players in the draft I don't remember how you worded
1: it I said who are the killers of this draft well, metaphorically I, speaking yes, you, you did say thank metaphorically you, speaking thank you <laughs> of course I, you just you know of course gotta remind everybody the context in which we speak alright well here here was his answer to that
2: Will Anderson definitely I mean he's that dude uh, you know what's funny Devon Witherspoon from Illinois is that guy as well and he plays hundred. he's 180 pounds but he Hits you like he's two twenty. There are so many <laughs> clips of him just missling into guys, and he'll stand over you and let you know he was just there. And you're like, that dude is built like a, a high school freshman. Like, what is? How is he hitting like that? But he, but he does. And so he's he's definitely in that mix uh, on offense. Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida fits that mold a lot he's just uh he's a bully you know he's a Valver. bouncer throwing people out of the club so there's this is a good class to be like physical football
0: so first of all wolf you do like physical football so this is a good class for you and second of all it, it brings us to the question you raised in the pre-show meeting let's take the Colts out of it for a second okay a, we all know the dream scenario I think hundred percent of us would agree you trade down with the Colts you still get will Anderson you get some draft
1: perfect Sold. okay that's great yeah that's the best case scenario but let's say that's off the table okay let's it's say the Colts. Oh, let's produce. Yeah, here we go. Well, you've you, only got one or the other. So you have
0: two options. You have to choose one starting now. You can just stay at number three and take Will Anderson, or you can trade down with the Raiders or the Titans, or the Ravens' name is coming up now, oh, too.
1: Can you imagine that? The What did the Ravens pick? Twenty-two was it? It's down. I think there, it's yeah. twenty-two. Based on right there. Don't hold me to that. I think it's. I'm going to have this whole draft order okay.
0: memorized just because the but Cardinals can- <laughs> might make trades.
1: Can you imagine if they traded from three all the way down to twenty-two? What that would take—that kind of currency, draft currency—that it would take for them to do that. That would be a truck load right there and why would the baltimore ravens want to move up to number three maybe to get a quarterback one of those quarterbacks right there because the lamar jackson situation we all understand that is up in the air and the ravens have already talked about it their general manager was just talking about this yesterday as a matter of fact and the possibility of actually doing it i can't imagine Look, I I know
0: that story on NFL.com yesterday wasn't like (laughs) it wasn't the truth and it wasn't like the the gospel that the trades are going to be graded against. But they're just to refresh that their hypothetical Cardinals Colts trade was the Colts move up to three. They give the Cardinals four seventy nine one oh six and a third rounder next year. (laughs) Sold. Yeah. So if that's what it would take, the Colts to move up one spot.
1: What would it take? It seemed like the Ravens to move up, what, from 22 to 3? Well, let's see. Uh, the 49ers did it, of course. And I, I think that would be three number ones. Wow. Or the equivalent thereof, which would be an awful lot of second-round picks as well if you took one of those first-round picks away. Uh, look, um, for me, I still want Will Anderson. That that This is why I'm in the danger zone. It, I, I cannot believe you just did that Mel that that was I oh, missed planned, the best part Sarah just started dancing on cue like well, she knew the song was the, coming The wedding instigator <laughs> of course Sarah's going to be dancing <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> the wedding is, By that, the way, is that I, the sequel to Wedding Crashers? Uh, just right now, based on her needs, if you're thinking of throwing a party, you might, you might have a house party or something like that. I, I don't know. Just contact Sarah and you ask should. her if she's busy. No. <laughs> Let her come on over <laughs> because I guarantee you, your party's going to be ten times better with Sarah now. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Especially if you play Danger Zone, apparently.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert: I will not be busy. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: telling you right now.
1: I mean, what was my point? Oh you no, know, oh, you were I'm, going I'm in into the danger, danger Zone. zone. That's hilarious. what it is. I, I'm in the, I've been talking about. It. It's the only terminology I can use that suffices for me because I want Will Anderson. I want the Arizona Cardinals to have Will Anderson at the end of the day, that first day of the draft. I want them to have Will Anderson so badly. I'm willing to forfeit picks that I know will help build this team going forward. Because I think this guy is a guy, a rare breed you can build around going forward okay maybe not as quickly maybe you don't have as many draft picks but still the impact he could have body soul and spirit not only the tangible in between the white lines but the intangible baby where he walks up to another guy and says what are you doing now that probably isn't gonna happen this rookie year But I guarantee you, he's going to go out and set a standard that everyone else is going to have to live up to.
0: I I, love that. While you were remixing Kenny Loggins to write a poem about Will Anderson, I came to this conclusion. And I'll give you that conclusion later. (laughs)
1: Legendary
0: voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement, and we want to hear from you. Text Al to 620 620 and submit a video. Thank you, Al message in there, and we may even play it on the air. So text Al to 620 620 just because the music stopped. Don't think Sarah Cazell has stopped dancing because no. that's not the way it works. All right, when we come back. How would you assess the Suns' bench heading into the playoffs? Monty Williams is giving us a little bit of insight. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage, brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Welcome back to the show. As you can tell, we're having a nice, calm show here on
1: this Thursday. Really, has into it. That first hour. Oh, it's not over yet. We're still doing it. Interesting. <laughs> just like leg- just legitimately jacked. looked at the clock.
0: I could convince you it's any time of the day right now. <laughs> okay,
1: this right here.
0: <laughs> I thought this is what's going on. This is not calming
1: me down at all, Mel.
0: <laughs> if I don't know what you're talking about. I don't hear anything. That's yeah. that's just something you're hearing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty funny, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get to let's get serious here. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Let's see. The Suns uh, just kind of sitting around right now waiting for an opponent, basically. Except the they do Suns the game win. They, uh, they win all the time with Kevin Durant. They played tonight. We're going to talk to uh, K-Ray at some point. I don't know what I did with the yeah. show sheet. We're talking to K-Ray. you got a lot of sheets over there. <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to build a small, like... House out of this paper. Like library over here. of Congress it, over it, there. I, I might be writing some new laws into effect by the end of this show. Here's uh, here's Monty Williams. Oh, I haven't even heard this cut. I'm just going to play it. Wolf, I'm guessing you're going to like this. The the cut is labeled benefit of having rock eaters on the bench this year.
4: <laughs> the one thing um, that stands out to me is everybody on the bench is adaptable. You know, you can call on Ish, TJ, um, Biz, Jock, D Lee. And they have an expectation that they're going to be solid, and a higher expectation that they can win you a game. Um, we've seen that this year, where a guy hasn't played a few games, and then he steps on the floor, and you know whether it's a stop or he hits two or three shots that change the game. I think that's something that we've learned, um, and I think there's some versatility there as far as. The, the bigger guys we, we have men on the bench now ish TJ Tori those guys come into the game but like, they, they can stand you up and, and I call them rock eaters you know they, they just bring it every time they step on the floor that's something that we haven't had in years past
1: <sighs> oh there it
4: is right now.
1: <laughs> what are you guys trying to do to me right now stop it <laughs> rock eaters I'm just piling
0: up papers over here. I'm you not going to doing talk anything. about
1: Ish Wainwright. You know, this is a guy that it dawned on me yesterday when we were talking about the bench. You might want Ish. This guy. When you talk about physicality, Ish Wainwright at 6'5, 260 pounds. He doesn't mind getting physical. He looks like a linebacker playing basketball. And enjoys playing like a linebacker while he plays basketball. Also
0: the Suns' best player in Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks
1: last year. You know, you have to wonder about it right now. Ish Wainwright and just how critical he is going forward for the physicality of this team as well. If ever there was a guy that could fit the Jay Crowder role, so to speak, I think it'd be Ish Wainwright. Right, um, yeah, that's. I, I agree with you on that.
0: Actually, that's that's. I lot the that's shoot actually a good point, Wolf. He I didn't mean it to three. sound like that. He
1: can play defense. He's physical. He'll bang away. He's not afraid. All
0: right, I, I want to play this cut again. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole cut. I'm just going to play the beginning of it. All right. Yeah. You tell me if anybody's name is missing. Okay.
4: The one thing um, that stands out to me is everybody on the bench is adaptable. You know, that you can call on Ish, TJ. Um, Biz, Jock, D. Lee, and they have an expectation that they're going to be solid.
0: Campaign. Where's Campaign? No, yeah. Now, am I just reading into something that maybe I don't need to read into? Possibly, but yes. Campaign didn't play the last game. And <laughs> the logic that was given to us was, well, we wanted to let Devin Booker, uh, you know, work on bringing the ball up the floor. Yeah.
1: Devin Booker's been doing that for seven years. Yeah. What's mm. up with campaign? What is up with campaign right now? That is that is a great question. Um I, I don't know, but I did pick up on that the first time around mm-hmm. but um it was even more pronounced the second time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I was I was so busy worrying about Ish and Ish Wainwright and the impact that I really think of all the guys, space and ownines, really, of all the guys outside of campaign. Yeah that I think could come off the bench and be a difference maker for the Phoenix Suns in the postseason, it's Ish Wainwright. And that also is a scary thing. No offense to Ish at all, but it's not like he's got tons of playoff experience.
0: No, and I want to be clear. I'm not like trying to create some fake drama that's there with campaign. I'm not saying that anything is up with campaign, but he didn't play in the last game and he was healthy. And honestly, he's probably the guy whose minutes I'm going to be watching the most in these final three games of the season. Like, I get it. We're all going to be watching KD's minutes because, you know, how much you play in the starters and, you know, you want to get the rotation set and you want to get guys comfortable. And as Monty said uh, the other day, you know, they're working on conditioning at playing 35, 40 minutes for some of these guys. But if campaign's like not playing in these last few games or he's playing like five minutes or seven minutes, uh, does that not dramatically change how you expect the rotation to come off the bench this year? Certainly compared to two years ago. Last year, I think we all went into the playoffs thinking campaign was going to play a big role, you know, relative to what he is. And then he ended up being somebody they really didn't go to. So we already knew this was a pivotal year for campaign. I just, I'm keeping an eye on his minutes
1: specifically tonight. Tomorrow and Sunday. Yeah, no, that is a really, really good point by you because, again, when you think of the situation, the circumstances in which Monty sat campaign down in where he did not play in that game against the San Antonio Spurs. And it was a game that still mattered to the Phoenix Suns. And there was a lot of garbage-ish time. I mean, they were yeah, up on a lot.
0: So they could exactly. a, you could sneak a guy in, if you, even if you were afraid he might, you weren't sure what you were going to get from him, right? Uh,
1: so, uh, I don't know. Is, is there some drama that is going on between Campaign and Monty Williams? See, is I don't there even, an issue? I don't even think don't it's know. drama.
0: I just, I don't know that they trust him right now to give him big minutes in a playoff game. That's which I guess is on some level some drama. Yeah. Um, oh. Here, here's here's James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. They asked him what Landry Shamit could offer that maybe campaign doesn't. He's different, you
2: know. Campaign's primary ball handler. Landry's a secondary ball handler. Landry's a little bit bigger um, defensively. Um, plays not at the point of attack, but weak side and you know second side. Um, whereas Cam is a point of attack, you know, for primarily in situations with the. Point guards and you know so Landry just gives us some versatility, someone different, someone bigger. Um, but um, you know, we'll see. We have we have multiple guys that can can play that big defender role too. So I just think this is just one of those situations where um, you look and see what you have while you have time to experiment.
0: So there you go. If, if campaign plays a lot tonight or tomorrow,
1: then then they are just looking to see what they have. But. Now I kind of need to see it. This is this is I, I think I'm with you on this one right here. We we both have been on the same page in regard to campaign and how important we thought campaign was going to be in the postseason for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And um, things have seemed to go a little awry here. Um, at the end of the season, and that's why, to me, I think you're right on this, over the last three games, his minutes and watching how they handle campaign might be the biggest drama left in the season. Well, it's because James Jones just sort of said it right there. Like He's a primary ball handler. They
0: don't really have any other primary ball handlers on the bench. So just by definition of... of his role throughout his career campaigns different than everybody else on the bench. So like, if he's not going to play a whole lot in the playoffs, then that all of a sudden means additional responsibility for Kevin Durant or Devin Booker or whoever else, when Chris Paul's not doing certain things. So that, that to me is, is why campaign, I mean, I've watched him more closely than anybody on the bench all season, just because he's kind of separate from all them in my mind, yes. because he has, there are certain things that he does that nobody else, you know, Terrence Ross doesn't do that. You know, Landry Shambit doesn't really do that, you know. So, I don't know. I, it, maybe
1: it's nothing. Maybe he plays, Maybe, like I said, maybe he plays 25 minutes tonight. Yeah, it's so interesting because as we're having this conversation right now, I think of the New Orleans Pelicans that got into the postseason. Did you see that? They're into the playoff. They, they could do no worse than nine. The nine seed. They are definitely going to be in the postseason right there. Willie Green was all jacked up about that, except Excited about that, and of course, as soon as you say the Pelicans, we think of what happened and how they attack Chris Paul yeah. in the postseason, right? And how important again it, it it brings up how important I think campaign will be to this team in the postseason. But then I think of Josh akogi he's brought the ball up. D. Book, of course, has done that. We've seen other guys; like can do Shammett, it. That we've seen they guys actually can do, do it. it. Yeah.
0: No, no, that's the thing. That's, I don't want to say that they're making campaign obsolete, but it just feels like they have other options. But it's not, it's not like one other person on the bench. It's not like, oh, we have campaign or this other traditional point guard. It's either campaign's going to play or a bunch of guys that are already playing are going to have an additional job in a big playoff game. So I, I think that certainly bears uh, watching here in these final few games. Uh, all right. When we come back, we can ask Kevin Ray about this. What is he expecting to see tonight from the Suns against the Nuggets, who apparently have a bunch of guys on the injury report now? We're going to ask the Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.